Greetings and salutations. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the Punch Drunk Predictions here on Keyboard Kimura. I am your host, as always, E. Spencer Kite. Back after a unexpected hiatus last week. My intention was to put out content. And then UFC 289 in Vancouver got hectic, got busy, got networky, got hanging out with some people that I hadn't seen, and getting back home to jump in front of the camera here in the studio just fell by the wayside. It was too late when I was getting home. I was too tired. There were long days. I wanted to spend some time with my wife and my dog and then get to bed at a reasonable hour so that I could then get up and do it all over again the following day. So I apologize for not being here last week. So for the purposes of recapping, we have to go back to UFC Vegas 74. Haven't been here to tell you that I went nine and four on that card. That's a number that I like. That's, that's more akin to what I want to be doing on a week-to-week basis here. Since I have been back on Keyboard Kimura, the record is 30 and 18, so 30 wins and 48 fights. 0.625 winning percentage. Solid, very good. If that's where we ended up for the year, that would be fine, obviously, as always. My aim is to be at 0.700, a 70% win rate. It's a high number. I like setting high goals for myself. I like setting the bar nice and high. Year to date this year, so through all the events that I did these shows for at Severe and the events that I've done them for here at Keyboard Kimura, we are 111, 83, and 3, a 0.563 win percentage. Need to get that up. Need to keep bumping that up. Nine and four week, two weeks ago. Good week last week in terms of the picks on paper. Didn't put them out there for anybody, so they just got to trust me on it. On paper, they were good picks. But we want to do better this week as we move to UFC Vegas 75 at the UFC Apex on Saturday headlined by the middleweight bronze medal matchup between Marvin Vittori and Jared Cannonier. And my pick is Marvin Vittori. I know that Richard Mann said in his very great fight forecaster piece this week that these two guys have a lot of similarities in terms of output and volume and things of that nature and and that output leads to results for each man. I highly encourage you as always go check it out. It is a great piece every week on the main event on one of the big fights that's going on. Richard does terrific work. Please go subscribe. It is on Substack. Go find it while you're there. QR code, you know, hook me up. Well, I, I don't doubt the numbers. Well, I don't question his analytical skills and, and abilities and putting those numbers together. They don't, visually they that's not what I see when I think of these two. And the reason I'm leaning Vittoria is because I see him as the higher output fighter, as the more aggressive fighter overall in terms of understanding that need and effectiveness of just touching at all times of just landing some shots here and there and here and there and here and there. Jared Cannonier feels to me like a guy that has long stretches where he's not throwing and not landing. Now, maybe that's a lot of the fight with Israel Adesonia in my head. Maybe that's me just crafting a, a vision of Jared Cannonier myself that isn't wholly true. But when I look at this fight and I break it down and I think about it, I see Vittori having greater success using those leg kicks that we started to see from him last time out against Roman Delizze using the jab 
and the forward pressure and mixing in some wrestling, mixing in some grappling. I just think when you look at totality of abilities and avenues to victory, there's more for Vittori, in my opinion, than there are for Cannoneer. Cannoneer can absolutely win this fight. This is a close matchup. It is close on the odds for good reason. But for me, Cannoneer needs to go out there and either land that one big bomb that creates a stoppage opportunity or land big shots in each round that really sway otherwise close rounds in his favor. I don't know that he can do that three times in five rounds. I don't know that he can defend the pressure and the pace that I'm pretty certain Marvin Vittori is going to try to put on him on Saturday for three out of five rounds, if not more or fewer. And so I just think when I look at this, when I suss all of this out, Mylene is very much Vittori. I think he comes out here and works sort of that same Marvin Vittori game plan that we've seen many times over. Pressure, pace, volume, output, grind, 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 grind. I think it goes the distance. I think Vittori gets a win on the scorecards. And I think he establishes himself as the clear bronze medalist in this division, which if you've listened to me this week, you know how I feel about it. That's a, that's a good accomplishment. That's a big achievement. I think he gets it done. Co-main event, Armin Saryukin versus Joachim Silva. My pick here is Saryukin. I think he is world-class. I think he is no more than a couple of wins away from fighting for the lightweight title. It's going to depend on the opportunities and the matchups that come his way. Obviously, he was originally supposed to fight Hanato Moicano earlier this year. That fight fell apart. Joaquin Silva is the only guy that sort of raised his hand and, and was ready and willing to jump in there with Saryukin. I think this is an opportunity for him to make a statement. I don't know that he necessarily does in the sense of like a big, bold statement where he finishes him quickly or decisively early. But I think this is just a landslide. I think this is this is all Saryukin. You have to worry about the power with Silva. You have to worry about him landing one of those big right hands. But outside of that, I think Saryukin cruises. And if he's smart, if his management has been in his ear a little bit, shout out to Danny Rube, you tell this kid, you need to get out there and call out one of these people by name. You need to call out Michael Chandler by name. You need to call out the loser of Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje. You need to call out Raphael Faziv, somebody in that mix to get yourself further ahead. Whether that's even Benil Dariush, right? Coming off that loss last weekend in Vancouver. You need to get yourself one of those big names to put yourself in that mix where you are a win or two away from title contention. Because talent-wise, that's where Saryugan should be. Move to the middleweight division, Armin Petrosian versus Christian Leroy Duncan. My pick here is CLD. I think the world of this kid. I think a lot of people look at the record and think, well, he's inexperienced and he's young and he doesn't have. Keep scrolling down on topology. Keep going down until you get to the amateur record. And you see that he loaded up there and went through all the trials and tribulations there. And I get that amateur is a little bit different, right? Shorter rounds. Limited limited weaponry, but he logged so many fights 
and works with such a good group that he got all of that stuff that you usually see fighters dealing with in those early first 10, 12, 15 fights out of the way. This is a fully formed, legitimate middleweight prospect who knows who he is, knows how to deploy his weapons, gets the benefit of the first one being over and done with. So the jitters are gone. He's been in there. It didn't last long. Ended because of an injury, but got a victory nonetheless. And now he just gets to go out there. Second fight. It's a smaller show. There's less pressure. The debut was at home in London. Now he's in Vegas. Now it's the apex. He's got a huge reach advantage in this fight against Petrosian. I think weapon for weapon, Christian Leroy Duncan has way more ways to win this fight. I think he does. I think he makes a statement. I think this is one of those fights that on Sunday and Monday, people are going to be coming away from this one going, okay, who is this dude? Let's get this dude to step up in competition. He's the real deal to me. And anybody that watched him in Cage Warriors and have the success that he had there understands that already. UFC fans are going to find out on Saturday, I think. Flyweight division, Pat Sabatini and Lucas Almeida. My pick here is Sabatini. It is a risky one. It is one that I'm not super confident in. I see the path to victory for Pat Sabatini. Come out, wrestle, grind, make it ugly, make it dirty, make it grimy on the canvas for as long as it takes. We've seen him do it to similar level talents as Almeida. We've seen him do it to even better fighters, in my opinion, than Almeida. But the risk factor with Sabatini, as always, is that he gets clipped every once in a while. And it's usually right out of the shoot. And Lucas Almeida is going to come out firing. And so if Pat Sabatini can get through, I would say, the first 90 seconds, either putting Almeida on the canvas in that span or just keeping the hands up, keeping those big shots off him, he should be fine. He should be able to come out and wrestle and get settled in catch a kick, run him to the ground, out grapple him. Don't know if he gets a finish. The skills are there for him to hunt and chase finishes. He is a terrific grappler. Just a little curious to see how that loss to Damon Jackson lingers, if it lingers at all, and whether he can just make sure to keep those hands up and stay out of the way of some of those bombs. Move to the lightweight division, Manuel Torres and Nicholas Moda. My pick is Torres. I think he is the Better of the two, I don't necessarily want to say prospects. Nick Moda is 30 years old, so prospect feels to me like it sort of runs out once you hit 30. But two up-and-comers, two relative neophytes in the UFC. I think Torres, I think there's a little bit, truthfully, where I get and maybe some other people kind of conflate Torres with some of these other emerging Mexican talents that are a little bit looser that are a little bit more wild. And I have to go and check myself every once in a while to remind myself that Manuel Torres isn't Christian Quinones, who fights a bantamweight and fights later in the card. We will get to him in a moment. That he isn't somebody that is just out there, hell for leather, getting after it. He is a finisher. He is somebody that's going to go out there and throw those hands and happily step into the pocket with Nick Moda and trade shots on Saturday but he's also a little bit more refined. He's also a little bit more measured and patient as we saw 
with the win over Frank Camacho. I think Camacho is a similar level to Moda with a little bit more experience. And I think Torres can go out and just have a similar effort. I don't know that it's a first round finish, same as it has been both in his UFC debut and his contender series win, but I've been impressed so far. And until somebody shows me that they can stop this dude, that they can put this guy on the back foot and keep him from doing the things that he wants to do, I'm going to keep riding with Manuel Torres. Welterweight opener on the main card, Nicholas Dalby and Muslim Salikov. My pick is Salikov, and it's simply one based on really, truly the way fights are scored. Muslim Salikov, to me, is going to land the more high-impact shots throughout. Nicholas Dalby is a very good fighter. This is a coin flip fight. And I think it comes down to those big shots that linger in the judge's head, that sort of differentiate and separate rounds. And when you have a guy in Dalby who is technical, conventional, kind of a meat and potatoes guy, right? Going to go out there and use a good jab, throw some leg kicks, throw some clean right hands. And then you have Salikov, who's going to go out there and land some spinning back kicks and throw some spinning wheel kicks and throw a spinning back fist or three and probably land one of them and always seems to land with just a little extra something. That sways rounds. That swings judges. And I think those are going to be the deciding pieces of this fight. I think this is going to be one of those fights where at the end of it, and I'm going to say this and it's not because I think they matter. It's because this is how the broadcast is going to go. The significant strikes landed over the course of this fight and probably round by round will be relatively close throughout. That is my estimation. And I think the impact of the blows from Salikov, the bigger shots, I think we see him sit Nicholas Dalby down at some point. I think we see him hurt Nicholas Dalby to where he's retreating into the fence a little bit. I think those are going to be the things that swing this fight in the favor of Muslim Salikov on Saturday. move to the prelims we lost two fights so we only have six remaining jimmy flick and alessandro costa in the flyweight division close it out my pick is costa i liked what i saw from him in the short notice loss to amir albazi i didn't like what jimmy flick looked like in his return against charles johnson and while it's not necessarily just playing the math of it right playing the results of it that Hey, Flick got beat up by Charles Johnson. Costa can come and do the same thing. Costa can come and do the same thing. I think Jimmy Flick is a guy that is terrific at what he's good at, which is chasing submissions, creating grappling situations, creating grappling exchanges. But Costa's solid on the ground. He's solid in the grappling department and should be able to keep Jimmy Flick off of him and just piece him up on the feet. I think it's as simple as that. It it really, a little bit is as simple as what Charles Johnson did last time out is what Costa and anybody else facing Jimmy Flick should be looking to do. And I think that's how this one goes on Saturday. Bantamweight division, I mentioned it earlier, Kyung Ho Kang versus Christian Quinones. My pick is Quinones. This is another one of those very close fights to me. I would not at all be surprised to see the South Korean veteran come out here and get a victory 
He is the more well-rounded of the two, certainly the more experienced, almost as many fights in the UFC as Quinones has overall. But I do think this is one of those instances where power and physicality and aggression win out. There's certain points, and Harry talks about this a lot. It's, it's a thing that dictates a lot of his selections. If all things are equal or close, go with the better athlete. I actually think that Kyung Ho Kang, if, if we are at the same age ages, is the better overall athlete. But the age discrepancy, right? Almost 10 years difference between these two guys now. I believe it's nine years. It's just such a big hurdle for Kang to overcome because I think Kinonis comes out, looks to land early, looks to land often, and finds a good shot that puts Kyung Ho, Ho Kang down and gets him a second consecutive UFC victory. I think it's a competitive fight. I think there's the opportunity for this, as I said, for Kang to win this fight, for it to be close and competitive and us to come away saying, man, that dude is, that dude is something. We don't give him enough love because we don't give him enough love. But my pick is Quinones to get the victory and keep moving forward. Flyweights, Carlos Hernandez and Dennis Bondar. My pick here, my one and only underdog play, underdog pick of the weekend, Carlos Hernandez. And it's a little bit of, I just don't get the Dennis Bondar thing. I don't think Hernandez is great. Obviously, he got dominated by Alan Nascimento last time out. Fought Victor Altamirano close and got a split decision victory in his debut. I just, I see Dennis Bondar as the favorite. And he's coming back for the first time in a little over a year, about 14, 15 months here since dislocating his arm. He's fought once in three years. Never fought good competition on the way up. I just don't see it. And so in a fight like this, where I've got relatively evenly matched competitors, give me the guy that I've at least seen in the UFC and get his hand raised and be competitive once. Dennis Bondar has fought once, as I said, in three years, and it lasted 82 seconds. And it ended with him dislocating his elbow. I just, I can't trust that to go in on Saturday and win. He very well could. Certainly could. Gotta look for a reason whatever it may be, but I need to see it. And so I'm going with Hernandez. Flyweight division, Teresa Bleda versus Gabriela Fernandez. My pick is Teresa Bleda. I think this looks like a uglier, sloppier version of Fernandez's debut loss to Jasmine Jazdavisius. I think Bleda has the ability to be a physically dominant fighter, both in this fight and eventually down the road in this division. She is big, she is strong, she is physical. I think this really just comes down to getting a takedown early in each round and giving Fernandez no way back to the ground, back to the feet, I should say. She didn't show any ability or even real urgency to do so against Jazz earlier this year. I think Blada sees that, I think her team sees that, and I think they just capitalize. They follow the same blueprint, they get in there, they get on those hips, they put her on the canvas, and that's a wrap. We do it three times over, over three rounds. Job done. Hand raised. Away we go. Simple as that sometimes. Bantamweights, Dan Argueta and Ronnie Lawrence. My pick here is Ronnie Lawrence. I am unsure about it. I'm a little uncomfortable with it. I think if he is 100% healthy, if he is dialed in and ready to go, 
then I think he looks good. I think he has the skills and the talents to look good here against the guy in Argueta who got an okay win last time out against Nick Aguirre, looked okay in his debut loss to Damon Jackson up a division, but isn't somebody that has really wowed me in, in the film that I've seen and the fights that I've seen, including going back to the Ultimate Fighter season 29. Whereas Lawrence has shown flashes of this guy could be interesting in this division. Again, it all comes down to health. It all comes down to his ability to fight the way that he needs to fight and the way he is best, which is moving, which is footwork, which is good boxing, which is timing up takedowns, scrambling well, advancing positions, all of those things. He is a complete fighter when he is healthy. If he's healthy, he rolls on Saturday. But that's a big if. Opening fight of the night, light heavyweight division, Zach Pauga, Modestus Bokoskis. My pick here is Bokoskis. And some of it is that he looked terrific against Tyson Pedro in his return to the UFC and winning three fights in essentially four months, November, December, February, tracking back to his Cage Warriors wins the year before. And part of it is also that I can't pick Zach Pauga here because he did very, very little against Jordan Wright in his light heavyweight return after getting knocked out by Muhammad Usman in the Tough 30 finale. I just look at this matchup and think if Pauga couldn't do much or didn't have the willingness and readiness to do much against Jordan Wright, who, God bless him, lovely human being, wonderful person, doesn't have the ability to compete at this level, what's he going to do against a guy like Bukoskis, who is bigger, more athletic, more dynamic in his striking offense, and just going to go out there, I think, and pick him apart at range. He'll have to wrestle defensively. He'll have to be mindful of Pauga looking to clinch. Zach Pauga is a big, strong man. When he gets you against the fence, it takes work to get out of there. He could drag this out and make it grimy and gross. But I just think Bacoskis, as good as he looked against Tyson Pedro, on somewhat short notice, third fight in four months, as I said, he's now had some time off and a full camp. I think he gets it done. That's it for this one. That's it for the Punch Drunk Predictions. Part two, second half of the Double Dip, the betting show. will be up shortly. Love you. Appreciate you. Substack, One Bone, Twitter and IG down at the bottom. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Happy to be back.